Welcome in. It is week 13 of the NFL. This is the Fezzik Focus Pod. I am AJ Hoffman. He is the only two-time Super Contest champion, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Hello, Steve. How are you? Let's go. Triscodescophobia does not apply. It's week 13. Let's roll. Okay, let's get into it. And let's start with the way we always start. Let's start with a Fez tale. Fez tale. You know, promotions used to be a lot more commonplace in Las Vegas. So one of the cool promos that used to be around was that the old horseshoe, this was when Nick Bogdanovich was running the place, I believe, they had Midnight Madness. This is back around the year 2000, college football, free half point on any game you wanted. If Clemson was laying 16 and a half, yeah, you could lay 16. Or you could take the other guys, plus 17. It was, um, I really think that those promos are underutilized by the sports books because I can tell you, um, you know, that went on into the night and I would show up like right around midnight. I remember I'd drive up from, um, I think I was still in Southern California. might've been back in 1998 when it started, but um, it, it drove a lot of business and it put you on the map. You were doing something that no one else was doing. And what a great way to get information. You give a half point. Um, it's the rare sharp that's working alone that can't help, but, um, you know, if, if you love Florida State minus 10 and it's painted minus 10 and they have the only nine and a half in the world, where are you going to bet it? Yeah. The horseshoe, of, of course. course. Right. I mean, if you're if you're worth your salt and expect in terms of maximizing, you know, what you're going to earn. So um, with the, the suits have taken over the town and I'm just seeing fewer and fewer of that. Now, the Westgate still has minus 105 Thursday. Where you can bet sides and totals. Do you take advantage of that? Have you gone over there? Occasionally. So that's, I mean, that's good. That's a yeah. good promo. The, the only thing I'll say is that they tend to deal in line with what Pinnacle does offshore, okay. reduce VIG. So it's very rare that they deal a big opinion that's different from um, what the market is. And, and they don't just deal minus 105. They tend to deal, like if the line's nine after 10, they're going to deal minus, if you're going to play plus the 10, you're going to lay the full VIG, you know, okay. type, type of thing. And you're going to get, the minus 10, you know, at even money, but it's still good. You yeah. Know, I mean, it's better than minus 110 each way. Exactly. All right. Let's jump into, and we've got sort of a theme for this week's show, and it is bet sizing. And this is something that I think a lot of people have a problem with. A lot of people don't know how to, like, we talk about bankroll management and the proper way to handle the, like, and bet sizing is, I think, a piece of that puzzle, a major piece. And a lot of people get it wrong. So let's start with your your overriding philosophy on how bet sizing should work. It, it, should it be as simple as this is a, a one-star, two-star, three-star? How, how does it work to you? Okay, well, let me start by what we do at pregame. So our, our pros recommend a one or two or a three-star play. Three would be 3% of bankroll. Two would be your core plays, 2% of bankroll. These are just guidelines, people. If you're going to look to optimize what you're going to make betting, you want to bet you estimating what your overall edge is and betting a proportional of that edge. This is Kelly Criterion. Most people overestimate their chances of winning games, so we oftentimes talk about bet 50% of Kelly Criterion. Let me further say there are literally thousands of sports betting books. They're all wrong. There's not one good book on bet sizing that I agree with at all. It's like Bobby Fischer used to like go through chess books on theory and stuff. And he'd be like, idiots, morons, you know, with red pen, he'd be like writing and all these openings, they'd evaluate black is better. And he's like, it's a forced win for white here. You know, it's like, you just have to see that you're supposed to play rook H5. It's not obvious. Um, the problem with all the books is that they're guidelines. They tend to be guidelines for dummies. They tr they're trying to keep the recreational bettors out of trouble. And then it's a good guideline. What's your optimal bet? Zero, because you're going to lose. So you bet as little as possible and don't bet a lot because you're going to just get in trouble. The truth is that you, if you can accurately estimate what your edge is and bet a whole lot more when you have a really good bet, your bankroll is going to grow a whole lot faster. And if you're betting almost the same on each and every play, you're doing this completely wrong. Like you're um, in terms, if you're flat betting, if you are flat betting, you are like you're like Cro-Magnon man in terms of <laughs> in terms of your um, evolution of developments. And people disagree with me. It's fine. They're completely wrong. I mean, there should be bets if you're doing this properly. You should come across certain bets that you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I, I, I've got this bet. I'll, extreme examples: one day at the Hard Rock. 
Um, my friend Dick walked in and noticed that LSU, I've used this example before, was yeah. catching 35 against Louisiana Monroe. Not laying 35, but plus 35. So making a flat bet on LSU plus 35 was not an optimal bet. Betting $99 in two-team parlays until they kicked his ass out was the optimal bet. How much should he have bet? He should have bet until he had, like, he should have stolen every dollar that he ever had access to and put that on it. Could it have lost? Probably not. No. I guess UNLV lost to Liberty once as a 46-point favorite. So, but you but you see what I'm saying. Like, well, that's a stupid example, Fezzi. Yeah, yeah but there's lots of examples um, of bets that um, sports books mess up. I'll, I'll use a World Cup example. So one book was um, dealing a line at um, oh I saw I saw I saw I don't even know who's playing two European countries and the line was two and a half juiced a little bit to the over. Okay. And a book put up three. All right, because someone obviously max bet over two sure. and a half. Well, I'm not a soccer specialist, but I know under three when the line is two point five five is like the the dead stone cold nuts. And like to put things in perspective, it would be similar to a prop. And this you, you might see this sometimes. How many touchdowns is a quarterback going to throw? And he's lined at two and a half. And then someone puts a three up. Well, he's not going to throw for six or five. You know, it's like it's it's almost like maybe 40% of the time he's going to throw for two and 40% of the time he's going to throw for three. And that's 80% of the probability distribution function. You, you only have like a 10% chance of losing this bet and a 50% chance of winning. So you should be laying minus 500 on a bet that you're laying minus a dollar 25 on. I think it was under three late 25. You see where I'm going. That is not a bet. You should be making 2% of bankroll. That's a bet. You should be like, what is the limit? I will bet the limit and I will keep betting the limit until they kick me out and I'll send somebody else to bet it or until they move it. And those, and people are like, well, that's really rare. It's not rare. You should be getting a bet like that. I would say once a week, you should find something that's just ridiculous, just com completely off. Now the people who use, you know, if they, if they don't live in Vegas, they probably have fewer outs. They mm -hmm. they may have a couple brick and mortars, probably uh, maybe an offshore or something like that. But they might have a square ball brick and mortar. So it only takes right. a few of those to th th where they might have numbers completely off. Now, we've seen in the past, like it, FanDuel, DraftKings, if they make a mistake, often they'll come back after, or, and say, listen, this was a mistake line. We're, we're saying no action here. Um, it does happen, but only like when they, it's a, usually when it's a clerical error. And they put in a, a player total of 82 when they meant to put 28s. Okay. But when they do something like um, tonight, Thursday night game, I'm on Stevenson over for reception yards. Gave it out over 37 and a half. And a lot of people are like, well, wait a minute. I, I, I got pushed back. And people are like, I got it. It opened 28 and a half. And I'm like, yes, it did. And it wasn't widely available. And I don't like to give props out like way ahead of right. time, like some other groups do, because it's at one or two books. And the point is that, if you have Stevenson reception yards over 28 and a half, that is, and I'm going to get, I might get in trouble for saying this. Okay. You could, the, the logical way of, of wagering on sports would be, okay, I'm going to wait patiently until Steve Fezzik gives out his game of the year. And I have my NFL game of the year Thursday, which I think is a solid wager worthy of what I, a three stars are highest weighted play at pregame, but I would say it's worthy of a four unit play, like 4% okay. of bankroll. All right. And I really, really like it. Goes tonight. The Stevenson over 28 and a half, well, what weight would that be? People would be like, well, would that be like a, a two-weight, a three-weight? That's, that's 30-weight. That's I mean, literally, okay, that's a little extreme, but it's a 10-weight. I mean, I would, without blinking, bet 10% bankroll um, because it's just wrong. The number's just off. It's going to close in the low 40s, and you could just, if you wanted to just earn off of it, you could you could either go for the middle at post or you could just play under 28 and a half, like probably plus 240 or something. Um, it, it's almost like, let, let me use the example. Let's say you could, and people do this all the time. They're like, well, no book offers that, Fezzik. You know, I'd have to try to hit the middle. And if I don't hit the middle, you know, I'm just pa paying the VIG. And I'm like, do you actually think if you walked up to any competent sports better and said, hey, I'll give you a Stevenson over 28 and a half minus 200. Well, they might you know what they might come back. They might say, you know, I'll lay minus 170 or minus 160, or minus 180, or they might just say yes. But they're not going to say, oh, I don't want Stevenson over 28 and a half minus 150. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, in other words, you see where I'm going. Yeah. You, you can always just bet 20 units 
earn off a of 17 of them and keep the three if, if, if you're risk averse. So let's talk about when to play the other way because you, you talk about this all the time. And in fact, last night uh, there was a game between Purdue and Florida State. Yes. And uh, it was a game that, that I liked as well. I gave out uh, to my clients Purdue minus 13 and a half. Edie. He is tall. He's very tall. He's tall. So Purdue and he's strong. Purdue minus 13 and a half was the open. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the number you got as well, right? Yes, I did. Um, closes 16 and a half. Now, it, it was a loser. It, uh, so I my 13 and a half, even though I had a good number, I had three points of closing line value, it still lost. Purdue won by 10. Talk about what was the – and you didn't end up losing on this game. It, just explain how you ended up not losing. Well, I did lose, but just modestly. So I laid 13 and a half pretty good, made a big bet. And unfortunately, I was podcasting, doing the other stuff. So when I looked at the game, the line was painted 16. It was up to 16 everywhere, all right? And I said to myself, you know what? Purdue's really good. I like this wager. I made it. For, but Purdue just won a holiday tournament. Mm-hmm. They're a public team. They're going to get steamaramed. People are going to sure. you know, wager on them, probably rightfully so. So I refuse to believe that the closing number is going to be accurate. It's going to be inflated. There's going to be a Purdue tax. It closed. It's fine to pound them on open. So when it hit 16, there I saw 16 and a half locally. And I said, well, how much is a half point worth? It's worth about eight cents. I, now, I screwed up because I was working for you guys. You know, ideally, I would have waited. Maybe I would have gotten to 17. I don't know if that would have popped up. But I'm going to play back. I'm going to play back in that situation. If I bet the good story, the ultra public team, and I get in early, I'm almost always playing back. And then people are like, well, how much are you playing back? I get that question all the time. It, it Literally, it drives me crazy. Like everyone I work with, like like people even like on Wednesday, who are you going to play in the contest this week? I'm like, ask me at the deadline. So like, right. like okay, you bet pretty much 13 out there. Ask how much are you going to play back? I'm like, ask me five minutes before the game starts because this is a whole it's, – it's ready – fire aim to say, I'm going to bet back 60%. It depends. What if some, what if the market line closes at, at 17 and one book gives me an 18? I'm, I'm going to bet a zillion back. I'm going to bet the whole way back. I might bet 110% back at that point. What if the market closes 17 and I can only get 17 and the sharp and I, and that 17 is at the sharpest book in the world. So I can play, I can play the, my best number. Let's say Chris, uh, or circus lets me play plus seventeen, lay one hundred seven at post. Then you're you're laying back a less a, a lower amount. Right. Maybe I'll maybe I'll play back a third. Maybe okay. I'll play back forty percent. But what if the line is sixteen everywhere and station has a seventeen and coast properties has seventeen? Well, then I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just just get it get flat. Why not? Because I think both I think that the plus seventeen is plus EV. And people are like, well, you liked Purdue. And I'm like, yes, I like Purdue. And so how good how good could Purdue possibly have been? Well, if each point lands. Four percent of the time, reasonable assumption. If you're laying thirteen and a half, Purdue's going to win by fourteen four percent. They're going to win by fifteen four percent. They're going to win by sixteen four percent. You see where I'm going. Yep. So if the line is truly should be sixteen and a half, that was a sixty two percent bet on an ultra public team. That seems a little too high to me. Seems like right. you can make the case Purdue should be fifteen and a half. Once you go above that, I think. Boy, this just looks like, you know, it, 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 it's just a good story steam with um, I can name two players in college basketball. That really wimpy guy, Timmy. Drew Timmy. And Edie. Yeah. Yes. You know Edie's first name? Zach? Yes. Good Beautiful. job. Nice job. Doesn't look like a Zach. It, no, it doesn't look like a Zach. But, yes. Okay, so w- with college basketball, which, you know, you're going to have a, – a, sometimes you will have massive numbers. Like you can get up into the 20s, so there's, a, there's more wide ranges – Let's use the NFL for an example. If you get in at a seven and it go like, do you do you only worry about key numbers? Are you only worrying about it if the other if it gets to ten? Then you're going to look to play back, or do you ignore the the seven and a halves, the eights, the eight and a halves until it gets to that key number? It all depends. But you're right. the The eight nine or especially the nine is so dead that. Um, it's a lot harder than college basketball. The beauty of college basketball, all the numbers are really important. Now, yes, it's true. Um, a minus two and a half and a plus four middle is better than a minus 22 and a half and a plus 24 middle. Mm-hmm. But let me emphasize, if you can get a point and a half in each direction, zoom, you can, and you can lay a 22 and take a 23 and a half, that's profitable. Um, it's not wildly profitable, but it's certainly, um, you know, something that you can do. In totals, you really need a two-point middle. I, I fight with my friend Dalimon all the time. Like a total is painted 140. 
and he wants to pay one. He wants to play under forty-one and a half if he sees it, or over one thirty-eight and a half. And I start sc- like on an overnight. Okay. And I'm like, well, can you can you scalp it? Can you get you know? Can you get a two-point middle? He's like, no, but it's off market by one half. And I'm and I'm, and literally, I'm like, the reason it's off market is because it's Allen Boston or someone equivalent just max bet it at Caesars, and they moved a point and a half because and so you that is why you're getting the bargain. Now it's. So that would be an example of a play I wouldn't make. Now, it's true. Let's say the total was 140 everywhere, and Resorts World had 141 and a half. Okay. Right. I, don't, I don't respect Resorts World. They take peanuts for in terms of limits. That's probably just a rogue number that I would have bet. You know, okay. there's, there's a big difference between the two. But if a book takes—if Circa deals a point and a half off market, I assure you they know what they're doing. Look at the Monday Night Football game. The line's two to two and a half in, throughout the entire world on Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh Indy. And Circa, who takes 50000 or 100000 or 200000 not sure what exactly, they have Indy minus one half. You can bet all the Indy Colts minus one half that you want for $100,000. Now, does that mean Pittsburgh's the right side for certain? No. Does it mean that um, Indy is the wrong side? Oh, my goodness, yes. And Indy minus two and a half bet, and I, there may well have been pros that had it. You know what? Um, and that's fine. The information changes throughout the week. But in terms of, you know, watching the marketplace and understanding it, you have to look at that and say, if if I bet Indy, I am effed here. This is right. this is something has gone seriously wrong. Now, they're, they're going to be naysayers that like, well, Fez, why didn't you bring up the Green Bay example? Because Circa went to six on, on th- Sunday night football in the Green Bay game, and they rolled. They won by seven. The, the market came in on um, – the money was on the dog, and it was wrong, Green Bay against Philly. And I think it was wrong after the game was played, but before the game, I, it's, when you see these power moves at the sharpest books at post, these are moves you really want to go against because, um, that it's just not the way to make money. And I, I, I talked to my friend Dolly Mon again, where like he shows me his portfolio and I, and I tell him, look, I want to beat closing numbers. I want really good numbers that beat closing numbers, but I also, I don't want max bets on stuff we love with Chris, with 411, with Pinnacle, where they deal the outliers. I want to be, I want to, I want max bets against station casinos, max bets against the Hall of Fame bookmakers at South Point, who um, I don't believe could make a living betting to save their lives, frankly. Um, I, I want to max bets against Gold Nugget. Not that these, these bookmakers don't do a good job in the roles that they're in, but they, the reason that their books are making money is because they have a bunch of square balls playing and they treat them very well, the squares, and their numbers get out of whack because they're just looking to balance sometimes. Okay, let's talk about in the prop market. You mentioned the Ramondre Stevenson prop that you like tonight. Let's say you played it at 34 and a half. Mm-hmm. At what point do you say, okay, now it's time to go back the other way? It all depends. But I think in this case, there's too many, there's too many of us hyping Stevenson. So it, um, It's as- like... It's all over the place. It's all it's, over. Ramondre Stevenson is trending on Twitter because of his usage. And so people are like, oh, we got to bet the prop. The good story is out there. And I think it was a really good bet. And you could say, well, 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 wait a minute. You know, some might say, well, well, I used to I used to talk about Kenny White used to set the lines for Las Vegas sports consultants in Vegas. And I used to talk about I'll take Kenny White plus five any day of the week. So in other words, if Kenny made a college football line seven and it seemed to 12, I'm like, I'm betting plus 12 because I'm betting Kenny White plus seven or plus five because he makes the line seven. Now, do I want to bet DraftKings or FanDuel plus five? Hell no. Hell no. You know, and their openers, because their openers don't make any sense and they just make mistakes all over the place. However, once the market settles in the morning of the game and it kind of Stevenson was settled in right around 37 and a half and then it goes through the roof. Okay, well, now people were able to bet that against Circa. We're able to bet that against, you know, uh, 411 and other places. And if that line steams up to, you know, 45, 46, it, it would be very rare that I wouldn't be saying, you know what? And I'll, and I'll let my clients know. I'll, I'll go on and say, you know, now that I, I haven't checked what, what the current number is, I think it's all over the, the place, frankly, lately. Um, but right around 40, I'm like, uh, was one of the books that, that I saw. But I think the good story is out. And there's people that copycat. There's people that get my picks and then they that sell picks and then they repackage them and give them out to you know to their clients and it, and it becomes a um, um, a steamerama freight train uh, to to where the value is just largely gone. Now the hitman and I disagree on this. The hitman actually says my props are so good, you know, even even after they steam, 
you know, they're, they're, I still think they're going to win more than 50%, but I, I think that um, maybe it's just because he's, he's so exceptional at those props. He's better than everybody else. But for the most mortals, including myself, my props are going to win like 60%, you know? Over 37 and a half minus 120 at DraftKings right now. So it's, I mean, I'd still play it at DraftKings, but DraftKings is, is stubborn. DraftKings puts up a number. And instead of just adjusting the number, the they way they adjust the vig. No, they adjust the number of sharp players. Oh, they just kick out all the players that are playing over thirty-seven half, and and like, well, they don't kick them out. It's it's smart. They they, they limit them to like twenty-two dollars. All right, so like all these people are trying to play, and they just can't play at DraftKings. Um, that's not sharp bookmaking. Sharp bookmaking is just moving the number aggressively. Can we look at what it is at FanDuel right now? I'm, I I'm curious. We, well, you know, while we minute. do that, but again, it's it's still early in the process. We're taping this. Thursday at noon. And like I said, I'd be shocked if these are going to be the closing numbers on Stevenson because, you know, I love my movie quotes, but like Wall Street, it's like Stevenson's up to 40 at some books. I don't know what to make of it, Gordon. <laughs> like, I'll tell you what to make of it. Yeah. The Fezzik and his boys are talking. The word is out. Stevenson is getting tons of usage on that. And everyone is aboard now. 40 and a half at uh, FanDuel. Okay. And I, th- I think it's, it, 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 believe me, I don't want any part of under 40 and a half, nor do any of the sharps I know. Would we want to, like, would we be looking to play back under? Um, and I hear this also. People are like, oh, there's been an overreaction. The line has moved. No, the line, it's still early in the process. People are just waking up on the East Coast. Oh, on the West Coast. <laughs> Maybe now, they're up on the East Coast. Now, let's, uh, you know, I want to come back to when to play back. But this, what we're talking about now leads into uh, another good topic it's going to be rare that you're going to want to make a massive wager on the day of the game. I mean, with some markets, college basketball is an example. There's a, there's a window the night before where you can play usually limited. Mm -hmm. And then game day is really the only day you can get a real wager down. But with the NFL, that's certainly not the case. Yeah. And and in all these sports, I can tell you it is, Max bets on game day should be limited, and and again, I'm in the minority. All right, people strongly disagree with me, but they're they're wrong. I'm right. The um, there the, the, there are you should be betting according to your edge. So if you get an information edge, if Ken Thompson calls me and says three starters aren't playing for Cal Riverside, mm-hmm. then this does happen. All right, and the market is unaware of it. Well, yeah, then I can bet that as a ten. Sure. Okay, because I've got information the market doesn't have. But if you're just saying, oh, I really love this game, and here are the reasons based upon stuff that was available on Tuesday, that is not a bet you should be betting 10 units on. It's, it, it, I, I just don't believe it. I don't believe that you're going to hit 57% or 56%, the type of thing you would need to make a really big bet. And people say, well, I hit 57% of all my bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, somehow, magically, I mean, I follow everybody, all right? And I can tell you there's no one in the world that I can find – in major sports, they can hit fifty. Can hit fifty-five percent on game day. Not a one in the in the entire world. Now that doesn't disprove that you can't hit fifty-seven percent doing it, but it's pretty strong evidence that yeah. probably probably you can't. Now, having said that, I know lots of people that can hit sixty percent betting props. You know, sure. I know lots of people that can win fifty-seven percent betting openers. But even betting props on game day. It's harder. It's a, it's much harder. Like this, the Stevenson props a good example. I mean, if you'd bet this. Yesterday, the day before, would over you been twenty-eight. Able to, would you have been able to get as much down? Probably not. No, but you're going. Would your winning percentage be better? For, for sure. And and also, people are like, well, I don't want to ruin the market and bet. Well, that's true. But then the flip side is, well, someone else is going to spot it if it's so obvious that you know. And what? Yeah, you know, if you're and, being noble and waiting for, uh, like, you think everybody's going to sit around and wait for limits to go up, you're probably naive. You know, they, it, in in fact, ten years ago. Um, poor Alan Boston. I, I, Alan Boston's like a, a, a gifted college basketball um, handicapper, mm-hmm. well, a gifted college basketball handicapper that made a living betting sports, but in my opinion, never evolved properly. He evolved, but just not not properly. But he would say things like like he'd get so angry, like "Oh, they're killing the they're they're killing the board," you know. They're like they're taking out these numbers too early, and and he is largely right that if we all would just wait patiently until the day of the game, we could all make so much more money. But it's just not the way the world is. The best example I can give is that they have an, an exercise in class where the teacher says, all right, we're going to have an auction. And everyone in the class, there might be 30 people in the class, write, write down a number between 1 and 100, all right? Whoever writes the lowest number wins, and they're going to win whatever number they write, 
Okay, they're you're all bidding. All right. Okay. One to a hundred dollars. Have you ever heard this example? I've not. Okay, go ahead and give me a bid. If you were with the class, let's say it's a class of twenty, what would you bid? Remember, the only winner is the low bidder. The low bidder gets the contract, and the contract is he gets a redemption of the amount he wrote down. I would go with five. Five is an excellent number, and you might well win the first ritter iteration. All right, but by the third time you play the game, guess what the winning bet bid is always one one never and everybody chops yeah. everyone gets the gets the dollar right because and, and this is what happens it's like you just learn you know what two is bigger than one and yeah. three is bigger than two and and like at some points if someone else is going to take four i'm gonna i'm at four bucks i'm gonna take my three and it just it gets to a dollar and that's really what's happened college basketball there are heavy duty groups that have won historically they've done really well and they release at Pacific time, 6 a.m., 6.20 a.m., 6.30 a.m., and 7 a.m. So by 7.03 a.m. Pacific time, the college basketball board looks like a terrorist attack has hit it. <laughs> I mean, the value that is left. And so anyone who thinks that they can just go and work out and then go to um, have a nice egg white breakfast and, like, go do all the research and find winners at 9 o'clock Pacific time, they're living in 1998. What I've done is, and it's it's it is tougher when you're on the West Coast. Certainly, uh, what I've done is I've started making a lot of my college basketball wagers the night before, and then I have numbers that I expect to move. And if they move past the the place where I expect them to move to, I usually play the other side mm -hmm. I, because I do think there are some overreactions to to some of these big time. No doubt. That no they, doubt. They give out these picks and then everybody plays it and they think that, well, if it's good at two and a half, it's good at four and a half. If it's good at four and a half, it's good at six and a half. And all and you then, have to do is identify one lemon. So if, if a gifted handicapper gives out five totals and you're following one of the five teams and the Citadel's coaches said, you know, we're really going to slow it down and ratchet it down. And he didn't get that. He wasn't at that press conference and they released Citadel over 140 and now you get under 146. Hell yeah. You know, that's going to be a, you know, a big wager because now again, you've got better information sure. than the overall marketplace. But I, I can tell you like on some of those handicappers, like someone could say, yes, I know what this guy's going to release. <laughs> I'm like, and, and he tells me that overnight. He's like, tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m., he's giving out Dayton under 1.30. How much do you think I'm going to bet on that? Is, uh, well, not much because you're going you're gonna to wait until. No. No, I'm going to bet a zillion. Oh, yeah, the under. I thought, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sneak it in. I'm going to parlay it with other you're stuff. Gonna, you're going you're gonna to put in what, as much as you can. Without cratering before, the market. Before yeah, without killing the market because I know. It's just yeah. like, it, it's like buying a stock. I know under 129 is good because I'm going to get because I can gobble up all the over 126 that I want because right. there's going to be so much buying going on the under that I can play it back you know profitably. Now contrast that. It's 3 p.m. game day. All right, Dayton game starts in an hour. Hey Fess, this real sharp group's playing Dayton under. How much you want on it? Not so excited mm. anymore. You know why? Because the very best betters in the world have had their chance to have their kick at the can at the Dayton under, and they've chosen not to yet. So now— Unless there's information. Unless, unless they've got the information that um, UD's point guard is out and the coach is going to slow it down, yeah, I'll still bet it, but not nearly to the extent that I would bet with in the other instance. And you passed on some information to me on a game last year, and it was a game that it was probably one of my bigger college basketball wagers of the year, but it was a game that I liked already. And then you said, Hey, this team's point guard is out. He's sick. Mm -hmm. And it, it ended up being a long absence. Kid had mono or something like that. In fact, it was mono, but this is a, on in a small, small time college basketball. This isn't Duke or Kentucky. So where one star player and really a player that is better than what that program would typically have was out instant fade them play the under and it was both easy winners. Yeah. When Curry's out for Davidson, that's probably going to have an impact yes. on the, on the results of the game. I know, I know that this is all obvious and, and the like, but, um, but it's not obvious because I, I can tell you people all the time, I always get that question, how much are you going to, how much are you going to bet back on this game? Like, 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 like the people know like games of the year, for instance, I've got, I've got, I think I've got Baltimore minus one this right. week. All right. And my games of the year and like, you're going to play back something. 
I'll probably play something back, although I like Baltimore, so maybe not. But but it, again, I always say it all depends. It depends what the market is. It depends, you know, what the, the current injury information is. It depends how much help I get versus the market. I can tell you this. But when you say you like Baltimore, I mean, if you've got minus one and there's minus or there's there's plus eight and a halfs out there on Denver, like you almost have to have something played back, right? Psychologically, even if it's like bet back one eighth, I think it's it, it's almost mandatory. Uh, yeah, like, it, I mean, if this were like such an idiot when it's oh pick save Lamar Jackson sick. Well, by the way, I think he missed practice again. If, if it were minus one to now Baltimore's minus three, mm-hmm. and you said oh I'm I'm not going to play any back. Okay, that's reasonable. But I mean, you're basically saying they're giving you better than a teaser price it's to play really, back at 110. I don't know if it's mathematically correct, but my take is the longer num- the more a number is moved, the more likely it probably has moved a little bit too much. But I did want to address also, so let's say a big um, uh, service releases like six uh, plays, okay? And okay. they play them all minus three, all six of them. And the market, thousands of people are following and they're all betting and they all go up initially to four and a half, okay? Then you fast forward and all the games are about to start and most of the games are at four and a half. One of the games is at five and up, and one of the games is back down to three. Okay, this big service release sure. at minus three. Should you play back the same on all these games? What What would you recommend? Don't play the same on all the games, right? It it exactly. It all depends. Yeah, it's like how much help can I get versus the market on all these games that are four and a half? Is someone floating me a five? Hell yeah, I'm gonna play right. plus five. You know, I'm, I'm basically play, playing it big free because it, half points worth eight cents. So I'm playing one hundred two. Now I want to address the three. One game closes at three. If there's one game of those six that I would say I am certain to play back, and this is so counterintuitive, it'll blow people's minds. It's the game that's minus three. Why? It's a lemon. It's a loser. I've got I've got literally hundreds and hundreds of people who are subscribing to this dude. They're all laying three. All right, and many of them are betting big. Some and of if them, the three, if it's not moving off the three, there's a reason why. There's a reason why, and some of them are even like pros, and they're repackaging and giving it. And, and, and if you're a pro and repackaging, which one of these six are you going to sell to your clients? The one that hasn't moved, right? You know? So what happens is, and this happens all the time. I see with people that are like, I don't want to use the word lazy, but they get the information late, so they get the six plays of a, of a winning handicapper. And they can get his number on two of the six. So those are the two that they, they that make sense, right? I'll bet those. Two. Well, the problem is those are the two bad plays because of the fact that they haven't moved means there's resistance. There's people that like the other side and they must be betting a lot to keep that line in check to the point where probably even though that handicapper might hit 55% of all his plays, those are probably the rare 48% plays out there. Okay, let's go back to uh, what we were talking about with playing back, but let's talk about if you're in a contest. If, let's say you've got a you've got a certain a play in a contest, your your value on that contest is x. How much are you going to play back the other way? And th- I came to this during the last man standing, which was Maybe a, a, the best example because it's one pick per week, yes. so it's a lot easier than like the the super contest where you got to put in five plays. Yeah, per week. so clean. So you so, you, so let's say you have an equity of twenty thousand last man standing. Let's say first prize is two hundred thousand. There's ten men left. Yeah. Okay. So your 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 pick is worth twenty thousand. So when you play uh, a pick at minus, you play Fresno minus eight and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you're essentially making a wager on Fresno, and you're wagering. $20,000. You don't know it's going to win. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, if half the people get bounced, it's going to win 20000 If only three of the people get bounced, well, unfortunately, it's only going to win like 6000 right. It all It all depends. But you're, you're, you're wagering thousands and thousands on Fresno such that – and the line goes up to 12 and a half. You can stop saying Fresno. It's just – all it does is Fresno. rip open wounds. And then I'm shocked I can remember the game. So you know what? Uh, considering that you probably have – you know, let's say you had 5,000 on Fresno. You probably should play San Diego State back at the best number you can get. And it's a steam game, you know, late game mm-hmm. favorite. So probably it's getting steamed a little bit too much, even with the quarterback news on Fresno, that uh, you probably should play some San Diego State. Now, should you bet 1,000? Should you bet 2,000? I don't know the number, but, and some people would use their entry fee. I think the entry fee is bullshit. The entry fee is not relevant. The the equity is what's relevant. And I would say, you know, play back a fifth of your equity. A fifth and, sounds and looks I, about right to well, me. Well, it's funny because I thought when at that point when I, there was 30 people left in the contest, my thought was after for getting this far, if all I get back is my entry fee, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. So I basically went 5x my full entry fee, which 
was 100. So I, I bet I bet $500 on a contest that I uh, to go back on the opposite side that I had a $100 uh, investment, which in. makes complete logical sense, but is still woefully inadequate compared right. to what your equity was. In but then you could argue. Well, but, but I still like, but, but I, but I, that's I, the I, argument. I, I, if I got into my head, if I didn't have any contest, as I would have laid 12 and a half at even money, not yeah. taking the 12 and a half. And that's a good point. You're like, this is a negative expectation bet that I'm making. And then, you know what? And, that, and it is harder to do. Like if I, like when, when I made that wager at San Diego state plus 12 and a half, I was like, I don't want to do more than this because I expect this bet to lose. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's a difficult hump to overcome mentally. When you're when you're buying back, because you you sort of get married to a pick. At least I do. You seem to be better at not doing it. Oh, I'll dump. I'll dump. I'll dump anybody. You know? Yeah. I'm like I'm like. Um, I, I don't have long term relationships. You know. I you know. I'll use an example too. You can having a network of people you work with can really help. I'll use an example. I had a bunch. I had some parlay cards coming in, and the last two legs um, were on the Eagles minus six and a half and Indy minus two and a half. I won't. I'll spare you the details of why I I, I chose those, but I, I thought that I would have medals. I thought I would be able to have the opportunity to take plus seven and plus three. Didn't happen. Didn't wasn't materializing. So I went into damage control where I was like, I got way too much Eagles. I got way too much Colts, and I just blasted out to my friends. I'm like, Hey, you want some Philly minus six and a half even money? You want some Indy minus two and a half even money? I mean, the market was you know it's. Above it, when I did this, with the, the Eagle line was six point seven, the Indy line was like two point seven, and people are like, "Sure, I'll yeah. take, I'll take that." You know, I, the best price in the world is at the time was like minus one hundred seven, and I'm getting it even money. Sure, right. I'll take that. You know, and it just it, and I do, I do a whole lot of that. We're just gentlemen's agreement between two. But we're not booking bets. We're just making bets against each other to save the vig. You know, and then what was interesting on the Indy game is Green Valley Ranch actually went to Pittsburgh plus two and a half. Minus 101, one cent. So they they were overloaded with liabilities. So they were more than happy. I walked over there, uh, asked for 10 dimes on on Pittsburgh, didn't even blink. No problem. You know, yeah. so, and they were happy. They're rooting for me to win, I think, because they had liability from other things such that um, they they needed Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, now, people said, well, well, wait a minute, Fez. You always say T's two and a half. You never, you, you never bet two and a half. Well, that's two and a half minus 110. Exactly. Now when I'm comparing a two and a half teaser versus a two and a half minus 101, now we're having a different conversation because the two and a half minus 101 is the same as plus three late 20 and plus three minus 20 is better than the teaser. Now are you, would you normally, if you're making your teaser uh, decisions for the weekend, let's say, and there's a, a, a two and a half that's reduced VIG, do you automatically leave that out? Or are you, are you searching for the two and a half minus 120? Yeah, right? I am. I'm looking for the 2.25s to tease, not the 2.6s and the 2.7s yeah. that could go to three. Um, and, you know, that's an art. And looking for cross. Oh, I love crossover favorites more than anything. If I can get a game like I've got a bundle. I don't know what the market's doing right now, but I got a bunch of Raider teasers because I was like, I don't know who should be favored in that game against the Chargers. If I can get the Raiders two and a half up to eight and a half, and every now and then I get this wrong. Every now and then I like, there's no way this game can go to three. There's not a chance in hell. And then it goes to three. <laughs> it does happen, but more often than not, it, it it doesn't and it comes back down. So you mentioned on the parlay cards, you know, looking for people to buy off some of that action. How different is that from someone who is at the fourth leg of their four four leg parlay? And they want to hedge off of it. What's it, it? It's no different, but the one key. Because that's something you normally would say don't do, right? Well, the, the the big difference is they should never have made the four team parlay, and they're like, well, wait a three minute. Three team parlays, right? Um, off the board, three team parlays. Okay. Yes, they never play fours. But I mean, but but, but the um, people are like, well, wait a minute, Fez. How many were you playing three teamers? Like, no, I was playing fives and sevens and eights. And like, whoa, what? what what are you doing? You you're, know, well, you're playing stale lines. I'm playing stale lines, and I'm playing I'm playing payouts that are like my 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 seven teamers are paying ninety and a hundred to one. They're not playing some you know donk fest bad payout yeah. like 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 it like you know a seventy five to one like that that they would off the board. So I'm getting better payouts with better numbers that are um, presumably that I can play middles on. Right. You know, um, potentially didn't didn't materialize. So I wound up with market numbers pretty much on Indy and on Philly. And I played back, and it, what's funny is like people like will ask me, "Well, how did you do with your cards? They did well, right?" And not really because they the cards themselves didn't get there because I lost most of them on indie. But now I'm like, "Well, why protect it? Well, how did you protect it? Well, I bet some some uh, 
uh, Pittsburgh plus the two and a half and then plus two and a half reduced. And I started playing and that disappeared and I started playing Pittsburgh teasers. So I don't know yet. Depends how all these Wong teasers do because I've got a boatload of Baltimore teasers and Las Vegas teasers and New York Giant teasers because I started teasing them with everything. And, and you know, frankly, one of my favorite teasers was Pittsburgh to Pittsburgh. So I teased Pittsburgh plus eight and a half with Pittsburgh plus seven and a half this week. And since Pittsburgh played so well, it was correlated. Now they're favored against Atlanta. And we will get to a best bet uh, that happens to be a teaser. A couple things I want to get to first. First, if you are listening to this podcast, we've got a gift for you. Comp 15. If you go to pregame.com, use the promo code COMP15. That's C-O-M-P-1-5. 15% off anything at pregame.com. That's good until the next Fezzik Focus pod comes out. So And they buy like my package for the rest of the year and they could baskets and for fifteen percent like, yeah. off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Uh, a lot of people buying like weekenders right now, things like that. There's, I mean, there's so much action over the weekends. Uh, I sell a lot of weekenders because people they get all my football and basketball and then they get the UFC packages. Yeah, makes sense. And someone last weekend was like You don't dude, send those to me anymore though. He said, dude, I bought your weekender and there's no UFC. And I said yeah. Oh, well, it'd be really weird for me to post a UFC card because there's, there's no, no fights, fights this weekend. <laughs> he was like, touche, good call. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anything at pregame.com, 15% off using that promo code COMP15 at checkout. Send me your UFC. I will absolutely oh, send I, you I that. love seeing – although one thing I, I, that I don't like with your UFC, if I may. Sure. We, um, it's, too, it's, it's too complicated for me when you do by submission. Like like how a dude's gonna win? Mm-hmm. I just I just I I I simplified for me because I'm I it, you it, just bet them to win. I just bet them to win because it's I figure yeah I'm sure you, you wouldn't have made that bet if you didn't like them to win and and, sure. and I know you don't want to give out like huge vigs and that's why that's, yeah you don't want to recommend a minus four hundred sure. but I have no problem laying minus four hundred because if that minus four hundred doesn't have value probably the buy submission wouldn't have value also okay yeah yes, I just try to I me. try to squeeze the book is what I try you're, to you're do. trying especially to, get those I plus numbers oh that's what I love I you don't want to give out minus three three hundreds i i, I get you know what i'll it. send yes. you a i'll send you a variant card that no send me just, just send me what you sent and I you can, can figure play it i can way. figure okay. it. maybe you could put an asterisk saying no it has to be by submission okay I rec- yeah that you actually don't like it or or or, or, or like but but I'll, I'll use ufc i consider it to be a very inefficient market i think it's very beatable i do too i don't know anyone that specializes in ufc that isn't winning i know guys that are nfl specialists that are really really good that have losing years Occasionally, it's hard. You know why? Because they 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 haven't figured it out. They're like still wanting. They still want to play poker with the eight best players in the world, and eighty percent of their plays are NFL sides midweek. You know, f that. You know, give me Stevenson over twenty eight and a half. That's I tell you what. If you play Stevenson over twenty eight and a half, you're never going to have a losing year ever. Well, what's Best's funny like that? What's funny is you you say it's a beatable game, and I, I believe it is. Betting on the UFC uh, today got banned by Ontario Sportsbook due to integrity concerns. So they're they're worried that there's basically noncompliance with within their integrity requirements. Was there a so dude that fought with a, a bum shoulder recently that yes. came out? That, that, that was, and yep. he could, basically the word that came out and he admitted to it, I think, and, right? And there was a coach who was oh, yes. giving out, like it was giving betting advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and making big wagers on fights, he's his guy was fighting it. This is always going to be a problem, and people say that this is that, that this doesn't. This, oh, it's so rare; it almost never happens, and they're just wrong. It happens. I'm convinced it happens way more. I use the example: it would be so easy for to make for a college basketball ref. If you're a college basketball ref right here, stop listening because I'm going to put you in jail right now. All you would have to do is call a game tight or loose. And you would impact the total seven points. So here's how to do it. Um, everyone's going to get Matty Holtz likes. Like, what are you doing? You know, but it, it's it's as, as simple as uh, the block charge. They're all going to be they're all going to be uh, blocks now. You're just going to whistle yeah. up uh, foul fest, and everyone gets in the bonus early, shoot free throws, and here's the beauty: you're not fixing the game. You're just, just going to call the the game yeah. consistently the whole game. No one's going to complain. It doesn't favor either one of the two teams probably, and you're, the game's going to be like 12 points higher scoring. It still might go under. It's not a lock. But guess what? If you had that information, it's probably about you gave it to some people. They're going to win about 70 percent of the time. Not going to win all the time. That's the thing. The the problem with all these fixed games and people like they do such blatant, stupid things to make it like so in the hustlers at the art of the fix. Remember when when he when he's playing um, Tom Cruise and he's like the art of the dump is like 
the ball almost makes it into the pocket. And then the crowd goes, oh, you know. Um, but um, in terms of where I'm going here is the individual sports, you see so much in tennis where there's matchups. Mm-hmm. You see these guys, the 128th ranked player in the world is barely making a living, and he's playing the 109th player in the world, and it's a pick em line. And the implications prize money of winning that match is so de minimis and so small versus what he could make by losing that match, you know, by just having wagers put on or live wagering to say, you know what, I'm suddenly going to start cramping up midway through the second set, you know, type of thing. Right. I mean, you cannot tell me that that, that that isn't happening more. And people are like, well, there's only been like four proven occasions where this has occurred and someone's been banned. Yeah. How often do you speed in the Valley? How many speeding tickets have you gotten? Uh, I've gotten one yeah. since I've been here. So one out of 128? Yeah, I, well, yeah, Something probably like around that. there. Yeah, that's yeah. probably a good number. That's mm-hmm. probably a, a, a pretty fair number. Okay, uh, I w- we got a listener request to my Twitter. Someone asked, hey, can you ask Fez about live betting? And it's something that you do a lot of. And he wants just kind of a, a general approach to live betting. How do you decide when is the right time to jump in? Like, uh, there's some people who live bet when they're not even watching the games. I don't know how that's doable, but the, mm-hmm. it, it's done. So any kind of explanation on, on your approach to it? Sure. I'm going to give the keys to the city here. Here's the game you should be live betting. All right. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to have you, it's obvious. So you're going to get it right. Okay. If I have to choose, do I want to live bet a game in a dome or game outside? Ooh, uh, a game in a dome. Incorrect. Mackenzie, why do we play the one outside? My thought is the the weather concerns are, it's something that you don't have any control of. No, you have lots of control over it. That's the thing. Okay, explain. You don't want to play a hermetically sealed dome where nothing changes and it doesn't impact the game at all. You want to, ideally, you want to play in a venue where the weather is impacting both teams. Okay. Or okay, so if there's a game where it's like, oh, in the, in the first half the weather will be fine, in the second half we're probably going to get some rain, get some wind, whatever. Or let's say we do have some okay. rain and some wind. Well, it impacts both teams, and we can we can we we we, we can do the square ball thing to find the better rushing team and find a fifty four percent bet, or we can identify a game outside in in Chicago where there's a thirty five mile an hour tailwind, and then we can just bet the living crap out of the team that's getting the wind to to win the second quarter because they're about to get the win. They look like crap in the first quarter. You see where I'm going. Yeah. So, like, yes, um, if you get the weather forecast and it's pouring down rain, uh, a good example, it almost lost. The Jets game um, just had a driving rain the whole second half. Mm-hmm. And the second half did go under just by a little bit. Should have gone over, actually. Should have lost because Mike White, Michael White is like the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. But um, weather games, outdoor games have weather. They have wind. They are much better candidates than domes indoors, which kind of puts the kibosh on every basketball game, except for, I guess, there was the one game on the aircraft carrier. Yeah, Michigan State. And, and, and it, was, it was windy, and it went under by 20 points. Yeah. Am I correct? Like, that's an example. Like, like I, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't get a piece of that. And that's like, that would have been the most obvious game to live. If you were going to live wager one college basketball game all year long, I would uh, one hockey game, the one that's outdoors. One college basketball game, the game that's outdoors. Okay. Yes, the one, the game that has the weather is the game you want to be live wagering because it's going to have the most implications on what's going on with the game. Before we get out of here, I'm going to give you a couple names that I want you to remember. Okay. Oscar Shibway. Oscar Shibway is an MMA fighter. No, he's the center for Kentucky. <laughs> like a 15 point, 15 rebound a game guy. He is not Drew Timmy. He is not Drew Timmy. And he is not the Purdue guy. (laughs) Zach Eady. Yes. Kentucky guy. Talk to me. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to give you some names worth remembering. Oh, okay. What is it again? Oscar Shibwe. Oscar. I can remember. Big Oscar. The big O for Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson. He was from from Kansas. He was on the uh, Jalen Wilson is probably he's the best player on the defending national champions. Oh, worth remembering. Right. Okay. Hunter Dickinson, you don't know that name? Of course I know Hunter Dickinson. The big white guy from Michigan? Yeah, the big white guy. Yeah, everybody knows that guy. And Trace Jackson Davis, you know his name? You know what what I'm embarrassed by? Is I make more college basketball bets than I think, uh, I know, than anybody else. And it's all live. But it's all situations and circumstances, which I apologize. I can't can't go into all the, you know, each and, and, and all the details. But it's all, oh, there's, you know, uh, we're in the first half, and 
both teams are shooting 65% from three, and neither team has a—one team has zero fouls, one team has one foul, and we're at the second timeout. I'm going to play under. Yeah. Because no team's going to get no into the bonus. No one's going to keep shooting 65% either. Yes. I don't know if it's Zach Eady making the threes. Probably not. No. Or Big O. Probably, probably not. not. <laughs> or um, or Timmy. Maybe. Yeah, sometimes. Know? Yes. Okay. Uh, before we get out of here, one one order of business left to get to. That is your best bet for this week. Yes. So it's actually my best bet, but not for this week, but for the next two weeks. Oh, okay. So it's my anti-Denver best bet teaser. I'm going to tease. The Baltimore Ravens this week down to minus two and a half or less. You know, six-point teaser, get an eight down to a two. It's fine to lay minus two and a half. Don't play at minus three. By the way, when you play this teaser, please make sure you lay minus 120 or less. And that if you go, if you have a tie, it doesn't automatically lose. If that's the case, don't play it at that book. That you won't win. You will not be able to win with bad teaser odds. Minus 120 is the most you can go. So we're going to play against Kansas City in a teaser this week. And we're going to fade Kansas City next week in the second leg of the teaser. We are going to take the Kansas City Chiefs minus seven and a half down to minus one and a half for our second leg. It's correlated. If um, Denver plays poorly this week, they're probably going to be catching 10 next week. And you're going to be sitting fat with the Chiefs minus one and a half ticket that um, that basically will be minus 120 after Baltimore kicks some ass this week. I think that's a brilliant play, honestly. Uh, I like Denver plus the points this week. I know you don't, but uh, that that part, that teaser makes a lot of sense. And my thought was you just can't – Denver's a hard team to run away from. They're a low and, total team. And, and Baltimore's yeah. not really running away from teams right now. But we don't expect them to win. Kansas City's going to run away from that yes. team. So, yeah, I like that as well. All right, that will do it for the Week 13 Fezzik Focus Podcast. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, and, of course, thanks to Steve Fezzik for the time. Appreciate you guys. Tell your friends, please. Let your friends know about this podcast. And uh, and like I said, comp15 for anything 15% off at pregame.com. We will talk to you guys next week. Good luck.